Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today, we have a super special guest. I'm so excited to have her tell you her story. Um, we have been anticipating this podcast for many, 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 many months now, um, and now it seems like time has flown. Today's the day. As you know, everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we like to let women share their stories so that in their shining, they give permission to others to shine as well. Today's guest is Nassim Abdi of Storybolt. Nassim, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to be here. I love that this world just gets smaller and smaller. So um, a mutual friend of ours introduced us, um, and I'm so excited that she did. I've been anticipating this call for quite some time. Why don't you tell folks, I know a little bit about you and what you do. I'd love to learn more. So why don't you tell folks a little bit about yourself? Sure. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so yes, I am the CEO and co-founder of Storybolt. And Storybolt is a platform, um, the one-stop platform that connects documentary filmmakers and their authentic stories with organizations and give them access both to content that matters the most. So if you're planning your next um, diversity and inclusion um, session at your company or corporation, and you would like to have a, an authentic story uh, about any topic uh, related to inclusion, could be on LGBTQ, could be on mental health, could be on um, literally any topic related to that, you can choose a short documentary under 30 minutes um, from our collection that is more than 30,000 films from, I'm, I'm sorry, 3,000 films from 112 countries around the world. And then not only book a screening of the film, but also book a live video chat with the filmmaker to have a Q&A session with them, no matter where they are located. So That yep, is that's so incredible. Let me tell you folks what that means Thank to you. me personally. So as you know, I host these events across the country and I have women on stage telling their authentic story in the form of a TED talk, meaning 18 minutes or less. Um, how powerful would it be to have one of these documentaries to support their, their um, story or their message? They, they try to share an idea and compel mm -hmm. the audience to understand the idea. This is fantastic. So maybe I didn't understand fully what your um, company does and now I have a better understanding and I'm even more excited than I was <laughs> before. This is, I, I can, I can see so many companies and, and uh, professional services firms that I know personally that would love what you do and access to these stories because your you know, documentaries are compelling and they're oh, very engaging. Yeah. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, thank you. What made you do this? How did this start? <sighs> oh, wow. Yeah, I have a quite a story on how it got started. Um, the, the power of documentaries and storytelling is really magical. I agree with you. And how did it get started? Okay, so <laughs> interestingly, I had nothing to do with startups or entrepreneurship. I was a teacher. I was teaching at the university classroom on um, transnational feminism and I was teaching my students about a topic that was very close to my heart and I really wanted to communicate that with them it was impact of war on women and children on people wow 
unfortunately, I grew up during a brutal war and I lost my fiance due to the chemical attacks. So you can imagine when it comes to war uh, and when I'm talking about that, like all cells of my body start screaming. I want yes. my audience to really get engaged, to understand what I'm talking about because it's important to me. And that day I was sharing personal stories and then I looked around and I saw my students are not engaged. They're busy with their devices. They couldn't relate to my story. They never lived during a real war. So they couldn't really understand what I'm talking about. And so I was frustrated and I decided to try something new. I showed them a short documentary about the issue and then I invited the filmmaker to join on um, Skype video chat to talk with them. And the topic of the film was exactly related to what we were talking about. Uh, it's called Facing the Mirror. It was about this plastic surgeon who dedicated his life to victims of war and um, followed a four-year-old Iraqi boy whose head got disfigured in a car explosion. And the film starts with this scene that this little boy goes to the mirror, look at himself, he doesn't recognize himself, and he starts crying. That 30 minute of the film, 30 seconds of the film, communicated exactly what I was trying to communicate in 45 minutes of my lecture, which I couldn't. And that 30 seconds <laughs> made my students gaze on screen um, I saw tears, they wanted to take action, they were engaged, and it was like a dream come true. And it also changed everything for me. I quit teaching, I got a team together, built the platform, got short documentaries from all around the world, and started um, the model with universities, actually. We started with university libraries, and we are still working with Northwestern Medical School, Florida State University, um, University of Toronto, several universities, about under 15, I think. And then very soon we found that this is the topic that, this is the model that could be used in so many other organizations, including um, for topics related to diversity and inclusion. At Let me ask you this. So yeah. first of all, I'm crying. Um, oh my, God. <laughs> my husband was in combat in Iraq and he saw some pretty horrific things. And to, mm. to hear the story from a, a young victim and knowing that millennials and under speak through pictures you know that's yeah. why they use stories yeah. online and, and instagram snapchat facebook you know they don't use facebook yeah. much, but instagram snapchat <laughs> and so forth mm -hmm. because they do understand um that they communicate through pictures so i'm a little <clears throat> teared up myself this was, this was not i got goosebumps when you said that Suzanne. <laughs> oh i have chills I have goosebumps. Um, I would love to talk to you more. I would love to connect you with a couple of universities where we have connections and help to share what good work you're doing. Um, Thank you. Well, I, I am just, so I have a much deeper understanding now of what you do. Um, uh, and it's, you've got me speechless. Everyone out there who listens to this podcast and who knows me personally knows that I've never been speechless. <laughs> <laughs> so, let me ask you this um so how long have you been doing this and what has been you know mm -hmm. like when did you start so we started late 2016 actually we had our first short documentary contest um in 2017 and uh to our surprise we got 529 short documentaries from 88 countries around the world which was 
uh, really surprising and a wow. good problem to have because then we had to review all those songs. And then very soon we had our second and third. We just uh, completed our third one um, in November uh, when we had our award ceremony. And each year we have different themes. So this year was gun violence. And, um, and till this date, we have close to 3,000 films um, coming from all different countries around the world. Wow. And then we started selling to um, universities and companies um, very soon. Actually, we are still um, using our minimal viable product. As you can imagine, as a startup, there are so many things that you have to uh, uh, yes. pay attention to. And, uh, but the main thing, the main thing was that valuable connection and that magic that happens through storytelling which is not us it's the documentary film and the, the professional storyteller the documentary filmmaker that has hours of behind the camera stories so we said why not let's start bringing the service to organizations and so we started selling um early 2018. wow i am blown away this is incredible mm -hmm. um i'm i'm so so I want to connect you with everyone. Like while you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, half of the people I podcast and all of the people that I invite to speak are concerned with inclusivity, not just D yes. and I, you know, we've yes. got a lot of D, but we don't have much I. Um, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm just thinking I have a universe of contacts who could benefit mightily from what well, that's you do. exciting. Suzanne. Yes. And when yeah. we talk about diversity and inclusion, um, it's way beyond like there are so many topics that are very um, like um, everybody talks about them these days but when you go inside like the you know it better than me because you've been working on it for a long time but um, we have short documentaries about veterans going back to society made by yeah. veterans we yeah. have so that's the person who's gonna join the session and talk about his or her experience we have documentaries by um, about um, mental health that were about bipolar dis uh, yeah, uh, yeah. situation and is made by someone who decided to leave his day job as an attorney to learn how to make documentary films to make a film about his life and how he deals with bipolar disorder so it's quite amazing when you find how much passion filmmakers put into these films and and also that engagement with the filmmaker or some subject matter of the film is really right. quite amazing. I got that idea from something that just happened in my life, but like I happened to be a leading actress of a film that um, when I came to US as, a, as an international student, um, it was on a tour in US and Europe. We went to Venice Film Festival. And the year that I came here, was a year after the tour and it was on Netflix. So wherever I went as a grad student, they wanted to have a screening with the film and Q&A. And honestly, I made my best friends, most uh, got really engaged with people through those Q&As. So the film experience itself was quite amazing and it was not the best part of my life because it just happened after I lost my fiance. So the memories are not fun to go back to, but the Q&As that I had with the film were my, my favorite part of this whole experience. So that's why when I, had, when I was teaching that day, I was like, what if we have these stories visually? And what if the person who has been behind the camera can come and join? 
um, the conversation. So it's amazing when you have people who experience something come and talk with people. It's really, I, I, I love think, to watch them. I think that um, you pique someone's interest with the visual and the documentary, but then you mm -hmm. engage them and they become yes. active when they are um, actually connected to the subject matter expert or the exactly. filmmaker. Yeah, this is so incredible. I have so many wheels turning in my head right now. I would like to do more than just a podcast with you. I would like to do an entire email oh. campaign and um, highlight you personally, your yeah. story, because my, my whole mission is yeah, is to give a voice to women and, and allies who support equity in the workplace. But this is beyond that. This is, you know, equity in life. This is about including people who don't look or sound or act or come from the same place like we do. And, you know, you were think, you were talking about all the various ways that we are need improvement on inclusivity. Like you were mentioning LGBTQ and, you know, mm -hmm. wellness and, but it, it, there's so many ways where so we point ways. at someone and say, that is the other. He or she is yes. not like I am. Oh, yeah. So yeah. It can Accent, be, how yeah, you look. How, totally. How you, yeah. Weight, overweight. If you're, you know. Overweight, yes. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of bias out there against anyone who didn't, you know, come from your background or doesn't look like you or sound like you or um, even their name, you know. So if it's not, exactly. you know. John Smith that or you know it's like <laughs> if you don't sound like a white male over 50 then you're the other yeah you then know? you're not yeah you're not included yeah exactly. I had a situation with a classmate that uh when the year that I arrived she asked me what's my name I said Nassim and she was like oh that's difficult I'm gonna call you Anne I'm like wow <gasps> wow <laughs> And I asked her, what's your name? She said, Amanda. I said, okay, that's hard. I'm going to call you Fatima. How about that? <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so great. Good for you. Um, you know, the woman who wrote uh, the memo, Minda Hartz, mm -hmm. her name is mm -hmm. Yasminda. And people didn't like to say it, couldn't say it, didn't want to say it, felt it was too hard. And so she changed mm -hmm. it to Minda so she was accepted. But isn't that sad that she had to do that? How mm. difficult is Jasminda? You know, it's it's <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's just not what we're. Yeah, used it's to. just like how much you've you've heard different names. That's all about like how much we've been um, conditioned. We've been yes, exactly. We're in our bubble. Um, you know, when I went to work in Boston at a very young age, I had a serious job and they told me that I wasn't going to be taken seriously if I continued to be called Susie, which is what I was called. So mm -hmm. I had to change my name to my birth name and go by Susan um, just to be taken seriously. And I know that seems silly and petty, um, you know, but it, it was not okay with me, you know, nope. I can call myself what I want to call myself and you should respect that you know as the other person should exactly. let me know. yeah that's powerful that you that you said that to her i love it i love it well let me ask <laughs> you i think this is an easy question to answer but you've been so surprising so far i don't know let me ask you what is your proudest professional accomplishment honestly my proudest professional accomplishment is storybolt is um the moment that i decided that if you don't have a platform that provides this connection help if because i decided if i can't teach about the most important topic of my life what else can i teach about right 
and I went after it. And I'm so proud that today I can talk about it as a company that has um, teams. So authentic. Yeah, and we are we are also helping filmmakers from all around the world because they get paid for these sessions. We don't. We we know they their work has value. We we are. You're a social enterprise. We understand how much they're putting time and passion into the work that they're doing. Um, each each film, each short documentary, even the shortest one, is like a dissertation. They do so many yeah. interviews and they have so much knowledge. So they should get paid for that knowledge. And we hear amazing stories. Like um, we had a filmmaker from Nepal. Um, the film was called A Polluted Water of Nepal. And the film got... Um, viewed at a conference at Johns Hopkins with several faculty members. And then it was the beginning of our work. So we paid him a small amount that we could pay back then. And he wrote back to us and said, that was the salary for family of four for six months. And <gasps> <laughs> we were blown away. Wow. Are you serious? And so everything about this work is um, really gratifying. Um, yeah, it's something that I love to do every morning when I wake up. As you can imagine, startups are not easy, especially if you're a woman and a woman of color with a weird right. name and accent. Right. When you go after fundraising, it's not fun at all. <laughs> right, there's no fun. fun in fundraising. <laughs> no, <laughs> too many no's. <laughs> but what keeps moving, even with having little kids and um, um, like a life that I mean, I, I have a supporting husband now and he's amazing and the whole family is supporting, but you, you feel responsible. You feel like you have to contribute to family and provide. And, and then with all of these challenges, what keeps me going forward is all of the amazing things that happens through these connections between oh, yeah. stories. And I can't people. wait to talk to you offline uh, when we're not mm -hmm. recording because I have ideas and I have people I want to know you and and like this this must to hear be about heard. This story must be told i mean your story must be told um and i, I want to do whatever i can in my entire network um you know raise money for you i want to share your message i want to introduce you oh exchange God. warm email introductions um i want to you know, share your email address and connect you with people on LinkedIn. I mean, this is incredible what you're doing. So honestly, you can see how I'm heart, you know, this has moved me to at a heart level. You know, I'm, I'm, because, I've heard from everyone. You're amazing. Now I can see why they're talking about you. <laughs> oh, that is so sweet. So yeah. my mission is to give a voice to women. And what you do is you give more than a voice to people who need to be heard and seen all the senses. They need to be experienced and known because not just because they need to tell their story, but in some way, every one of your storytellers taps into something about a listener, something that a listener yeah. can relate to. Like they speak for those who can't, you know, like I opened my show with, you know, in your shining, you give permission to others to shine. Well, in their telling their stories, they give permission to others to be authentic and tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly. how we change the world. We don't change yeah. the world by fitting in. We don't change the world with groupthink. We don't change the world with partisanship. We don't change the world with, well, whatever um, he or she says I should do, I'll do. We change the world with owning our own stories and telling Absolutely. our own stories. 
God, I love this. You're incredible. <laughs> well, I want to say you, you probably have many of these, but um, can you name an, a mentor, an inspirational mentor that you've had in your life? Oh, gosh, that's a tough question. I have so many amazing mentors um, that have been helping probably. me throughout this journey. Um, <laughs> I always go back to someone that I had um, when I came here as a grad student and um, she helped me a lot. Um, actually, there were so many <laughs> amazing mentors that I've had. It's hard to name one. Right. Um, <laughs> so let's just me. say you've had so many. That, that That's great. I think a lot of people don't have mentors and don't know to look for them and don't know how yeah. to be mentors to others. They often don't know how to be mentees. The mentee has work to do as well. I think we also need more sponsors, not just mentors, but sponsors. Have you had any sponsors? Right. Um, sponsors for the work that we are doing? or um, So a mentor guides you and teaches you and leads you and helps mm -hmm. you, but a sponsor actually goes to bat for you. You may or may not know it, but he or she is, um, you know, behind the scenes helping you get that, that money or that promotion or that title or that recognition. Um, yeah, we do have um, actually an, uh, a mentor advisor who also has been a great uh, sponsor, Zohre um, Elahian, who is in, actually in Silicon Valley. Um, so she has been super supportive. She's also a founder of a startup herself and um, a very uh, known person in the community for the amazing work that she's done. Uh, Maybe in, I should um, have her on my podcast. Absolutely. Yeah, I think she's amazing. Um, and she um, she helped us a lot with so many things. I also have Caroline Spreen, who was a faculty member at the university that I went to. And she has been a supportive, I would say, sister <laughs> since I uh, got nice. to know her. And what is it yeah, that you mean? Like, what do you need right now? What is your greatest need? Fundraising right now. Uh, Fundraising don't be afraid to say money. Also, don't be afraid to say money. <laughs> yeah. We'll have money. Yes, yes. And also bringing the platform to different companies and yeah. uh, corporations. We are in conversations with different um, companies and corporations right now, but um, it's like chicken and egg. Uh, you need the funding the money to build the platform so you can scale and bring all the uh, amazing voices uh, into different organizations and then you need to show tractions to raise money so it's right. uh, this tough stage uh, honestly and i here's think universities corporations law firms everybody who claims to oh, absolutely. diversity you know here's a question i ask when i work with um, companies they might mm -hmm. pronounce and say, "Oh, we care a lot about DNI, and we have a DNI director, and we have a DNI mm -hmm. budget." And then mm -hmm. I'll ask, "Okay, well, what is that budget?" And sometimes mm -hmm. I'll get, you know, this is just an example, and I'm not going to mention the firm that said this, but I asked, mm -hmm. "What is your budget for DNI?" And they said thirty thousand dollars, and I said, "A month, a year?" What? And they were like, "A year," <laughs> and I said, "Really? How how many is that per office?" 
you know, because this was a global <laughs> law firm. And they right. were like, no, it's split among all of our offices. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So how can one with honesty say you really truly invest in DNI if you're only, mm -hmm. you know, giving each office enough for a brown bag lunch once a year to talk about DNI? Yep. Um, so yeah. I'm going to start pulling back the curtain, not, you know, I won't publicly shame anyone, but I will ask the tough questions like, you know, how can you put that on your website that you're big into DNI and you care about it and then you're not investing in it? Because as much as men are unafraid to talk about money and make the ask, women are generally afraid to talk about it and to make the ask. And I'm saying it's time, it's time we make the ask. Make I agree. I can't be more agree with you. Yes, yes. Yeah, and and, um, and I'm trying is, to change people's perception of women who do make the ask. They think a man is a leader when he makes the ask, but how dare mm -hmm. she ask for money? You know what is yes. that? We're gonna stop that. <laughs> you need to stop that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I can't agree more with you, and um, it's really, um, it, it's really the time to change that <laughs> you know and it's exciting to see that so many places started talking about dni yes. but as you said it's like show how much money. yeah show me the money and how much it's real how much you really care about it right how much are you ready to invest in it <laughs> well here's a little tip um for all of you listeners and for you too um nasim that you might appreciate it's very hard for some women to negotiate for money um, so mm -hmm. one way to get around that is to know that people in all levels at all corporations, universities, law firms, et cetera, they expect it from men and they're comfortable with it coming from a man. So what you That's as a right. woman must do is say, look, I understand that studies show that men are seen in a positive light when they negotiate or ask for money or, you know, take it to the mat. So let's just mm -hmm. say right now, I'm going to do that. I need to do that. I understand that it's going to be difficult for you to hear that request coming from me as a woman, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to make the ask, and I'm going to do so knowing that if I were a man, you would be comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And because you're saying studies yes. show versus accusing yes. them, then they don't feel mm -hmm. as, uh, you know, put in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's a great... So. Advice. Thank you for that. A little bit of strategy. I'm use it. <laughs> so that way you're creating empathy <laughs> with them. You're saying, I know that if I were a man, you'd be okay hearing what I'm about to say. Um, studies show that, mm -hmm. but instead, I'm just no. I'm going to have to ask you for some money here today, and here's why. Um, and you Love deliver it. your value proposition. Well, tell us. I know you've told us several surprising facts about you already. Um, tell us what maybe has been your biggest challenge or setback and how did you solve that problem or overcome that challenge? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the biggest challenge for me in this journey, honestly, has been um, speaker of English as a second language, like speaking English uh, as a second language and not knowing the context, like, cause I've never, I've not, being raised here or like have so many experiences that if I've been lived here for my whole life I could have I don't have them so many things um, that come naturally to 
many of you who are listening, um, for me, might take a, a lot longer, which, <laughs> which is, um, I use it as, um, as a, something positive and negative. The positive side that I always look at it is, still I'm making progress and I'm making things happen. So it's never been a, uh, a barrier to um, make progress to me. I always use it as, a, as, a, as an opportunity to learn more. Um, and uh, uh, the other side of it is sometimes it could be stressful, not having the network, not knowing people, not knowing the context or the cultural context in the new situation that you go to, which with startups, you every day you go to a new situation. Right. Um, thankfully, is uh, the biggest challenge. But I'm taking it as um, like as one step at a time, right. and also surrounding myself with amazing people like yourself and um, mentors and um, network of women. Honestly, I would say. Um, yeah. I've been part of an accelerator program recently uh, that I love. Um, it's called Get Shit Done. And it's exactly <laughs> getting shit done. I love and, it. and the founder, actually, I, I would love to connect you with the founder of that accelerator program. She's amazing. That would be um, great. Yeah. And um, let me say one thing about that, uh, about your language yeah. barrier challenge. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, English is one of the most difficult languages to learn because we have so many words that um, Mm -hmm. sound the same but are spelled differently and mean different things. Yes. Secondly, um, for a person whose language uh, native tongue is not English, speaking face-to-face is better because they understand body language, which provides some context. Exactly. Uh, Maybe even over the phone because of the intonation and the tone of voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, Delivery is as is possibly as important as content when it comes to someone who's not a native English speaker. But mm-hmm. I will tell you this, uh, I'm sure that it's challenging over email and text because the written word has none of that, uh, mm-hmm. those delivery mechanisms that allow for you to, to uh, interpret, if you will. So yeah. I understand your pain. It's a very difficult language. My mother used to own a small language academy and she taught conversational English to people who were oh, wow. here from other countries because of that very thing. Um, so anything I can do to help you with that, let me know. I have several contacts who teach uh, verbal and nonverbal communication skills, and um, they would be happy to, you know, come in and help your team or, you know, talk about body language. Things that mean one thing in one country can mean something totally different. Exactly. And these are the challenges. These are the challenges. The parts that you don't know that you don't know are the challenges. Yeah, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I mean, I've been here long enough that I I would say, and I I got my PhD here in second language and taught at university. So now I'm more confident uh, about like, like, speaking and like doing my everyday uh, like routines and everything but I always have in the back of my mind um that there are things that I don't know that I don't know <laughs> those right. are challenging right. parts which are also opportunities if, if I find out that I don't know I can then learn them and also having two little kids which are the other joy of my our life with my husband uh, our two boys are also teaching us a lot every day. <laughs> so the, nice. the part of life that I didn't spend here, now they are spending and I'm learning with them, like those 
um, are they bilingual? They are. Yeah, we speak Persian at home, and that's perfect. Uh, and they they love it. Uh, we uh, keep telling them that they should be proud to be bilingual and absolutely. All of my friends from around the world speak more than one language, but we in this country, for some reason, and it's to our detriment, I think it's that whole nationalistic approach we take to so many things, especially these days, but we don't start teaching our children another language at a young age. Um, I don't know why we don't do that here, but it's definitely to our detriment. The world is flat. Commerce is all over the globe. We need to be able to understand cultures and languages from all over, not just our own country. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be great when we have more um, resources for that here and more efforts. It's so unfortunate to see like my boys started learning Spanish in uh, in pre-K in like nice uh, daycare. But then when he started first grade, they don't have those resources at public schools. And yeah, that's the thing. So reason. I think my parents both spoke um, two languages. So I think that. Um, that they encouraged me and I lived in Europe. So I picked up a little bit of uh, Italian when I lived in Italy and nice. um, only enough to get by. I probably could not, you know, communicate so readily today, but like I mentioned, all my European friends, they all speak English, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Well, you are one fascinating woman and I'm going to tell you what, I hope to see you soon in Chicago. I'd love to enjoy um, lunch or dinner or coffee with you. I can't um, wait for that, Suzanne. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, when we hang up, I'd like to just, um, when we finish the recording, I'd like to talk to you about some ideas I have on how to promote what you do, because I think what you do changes lives and is, is it changes the world you are connecting people, you're opening minds, you are um, combating bigotry. We are trying. Thank you so much for all these nice, um, kind words that you're using to explain what you're doing. And we are really trying hard to, because uh, to do that, because it comes from personal experience and you experience yeah. lack of privilege, then you can't go back to, the ivory I, tower <laughs> yeah. right enough of the ivory yeah. tower um well i'm yeah. going to put all your contact information in the blog that i write about you folks i'll share um nasim's bio i'll share a bit about storybolt but look forward to much more than my normal blog cast on this um i think i will send out an email campaign in the new year and i would like to connect you uh, nasim with presidents of universities that we know and, oh, wow. um, you know, CEOs of companies and managing partners of law firms. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Suzanne. It's very exciting to hear all that. And I really appreciate this opportunity um, to speak with you and for the opportunity to share my story and Storybolt's story. We have that's really, team. really, look, that's really sweet of you to thank me, but it is I who need to be thanking you. I should thank you for the courage um, that you've had all of your life, it seems, and then the, you know, determination. Like sometimes we have courage and we think things, but you actually acted on those thoughts and you are changing the world. And I'm so grateful to have you in my life. Thank you. Thank you so much. I can't wait to see you in person here <laughs> absolutely folks have a great day and tune in for more we're going to do much more with nasim abdi and story bolt bye-bye and happy holidays everyone